that I was just like pouring fireballs straight on my gums. Uh. It's medicinal. Welcome to Movie Pain or Pleasure Podcast, the show where we determine if a movie is a guilty pleasure or an ire-worthy hate watch or somewhere in between. I'm Melanie, your co-host, joined by AJ, and it's winter. It's January. It's the worst time of year. I hate this time of year. It's cold and my hair is super staticky and it gets stuck to my face and sticks out and it's awful. I despise this time of year, so we need good movies to get us through that. Also, I have this little teeny bottle of Jack Daniels. Isn't it cute? Sure. As far yeah. as an, as far as a poison can be, yes. It's cute. I finished the last of the fireball when I had my uh, dental work and my gums really hurt. I was just like pouring fireball straight on my gums. Uh, it's medicinal. Okay. Is it? Anyway, so AJ, while I open this little bottle of whiskey, <laughs> we open, yes, we open it. What are we talking about? Thank you. We're doing yet another video that isn't technically about what our show's about. <laughs> well, sometimes we find movies that are really, really good and just stand out to us as awesome things that we want to recommend because part of our shtick is making recommendations. Best movies of 2022. Best movies of 2022. So let's get started. So number one is Bullet Train. So fucking With fun. Brad Pitt. <laughs> it was actually based on a novel that was a satire of spy caper type of things it's a japanese novel okay i was gonna say and it's japanese it's um, japanese but the movie is from the director who did deadpool 2 and we see a, some of the characters from deadpool 2 in there uh yeah, the chick who played domino was yeah, in it brad, brad pitt. pitt it feels like um snatch Lockstock, and whatever that movie's called um guy ritchie yeah. Yeah, Guy Ritchie. It feels like a Guy Ritchie movie, but mixed, it's not. Mixed with a Tarantino movie. And with... a little bit of John Wick. Yes, yes. Like, so all those things. Cool, slow-mo, interesting characters, weird, funny dialogue, badass music. Weird quirkiness from people. That yes. It's always fun, but it doesn't necessarily make a great character, but it's fun. It is um, fun. You actually feel bad when these murderers die sometimes. You do. And um, if it's a good movie if you don't like action movies, I think you'll like this one because it's fun and it's funny. That's kind of the theme for all of our movies that we're talking about. They're just fun. Just fun, yes. At the Towards the end of the year, we're just like, I just want to see some shit that's fucking fun. And this movie, I think, is the one that got me on that, like, I need just... This is just made to be entertaining. This is, in a way, what I consider cinema is supposed to be. Like, you can be, like, artsy and, like, have a meaning, but you gotta be entertaining first. Mm -hmm. So, for me, that's all these on this list, so. Yeah, yeah so that brings list. us to number two, which is really fun, Glass Onion. Oh, so good. Oh my god, it's so good! <laughs> I might even enjoy it more than Knives Out? I'm not sure. Um, Knives Out's probably, like, a better story, but this one's more fun. Oh, yeah, this one's amazing. So it's by the same guy who did Knives Out, and we bring back the character that Daniel Craig played. Um, Blanc. Blanc. Detective yeah. Blanc. I can't remember his first name. Benoit Blanc. Yeah. And his accent's wonderful. We we go around quoting. He says something at the end. We're just like, it's so, so dumb. dumb. And <laughs> we go around quoting it. So it's full of big names. It really takes the piss out of super tech bro, Silicon Valley 
billionaire types and all it's hilarious and actually a bunch of different types of like different archetypes modern influence celebrity types yeah. there's like a liver king sort of character uh there's you know the female influencers that like too chatty on Twitter and maybe say some racist shit. And they uh, do the Instagrammable yeah. pictures in bikinis so, and things like that. All of those different archetypes. And it's a really good mystery. I'm not as smart as Benoit Blanc, so I couldn't figure out the mystery until the end. And when they do the reveal, you're like, what? But it's, still, there's still more fun after that. So after they do the reveal, there's still more movie. And, it, and it's still so much fun. And it's, it's like its name. It's like, it's right there in the beginning of the film like the whole answer is at the beginning but you don't both of these movies are so interesting like you have to see them more than one time you do because once you get the reveal you get to go back and watch everything in a different way and this movie did what i hoped it did when the credits played they played the song glass onion by the beatles which is from the white album so i don't care about that part oh and speaking of influencers just just because fuck ben shapiro (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because he was talking shit about this movie. He he was super pissed because he, he sucks Elon Musk's dick all the time. And it's sort of making fun of those types of billionaires. He was just mad that he didn't write it. Yeah, that's true. He's a failed writer, so. Yeah. So, fuck him without lube since he thinks it's all it's supposed to be dry anyway. I've been begging AJ to get back into horror movies because for a while that's what I watched when I was really depressed. And then I realized I really love horror movies. And so, uh, Halloween, October, we're watching horror movies. You're the weirdest, like, convert ever. Like, you I told you no converts in- are the worst. You had no interest in horror movies. Like, we can't watch it. It's too dark. Yeah. All, for years, years of, like, it's already getting dark out. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then it was like, okay, every Sunday we'll pick out either a really good one or, like, a really stupid funny one. Okay. And now it's, like, any time of day, any time of week. I'll watch The Ring in the middle of the night. I love horror movies. So I was begging to watch this movie, Black Phone, which is based on a story by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son and, dare I say, a better writer. He's He's a better writer. I love Stephen King. I mean, okay, to to defend Stephen King, his son had Stephen King to kind of jump off of. Like, not like he gave him his career. He totally, like... Picked a fake name and all that shit. Did the same thing that his father did, strangely enough. But, you know, when you're growing up around a craftsman of a certain type of thing, you're bound to, like, absorb some. You're bound to pick up the craft. So. So Black Phone is a story set in the 70s about a serial kidnapper. So it's got some good music at the beginning, and it focuses on a little boy who's kidnapped by a character called the Grabber. And there's a mysterious supernatural phone in the basement where he's being held. And he starts to learn things from, I don't want to go into too many details, from the phone of how to survive this situation. So it's kind of another good mystery. Yeah. Sort of like Glass Onion. And, okay, there are some things you're not going to get out of the movie. So... There are certain types of horrors and sci-fis and, like, fantasy stuff where... You really want answers, and then there's other times, like, it's probably best you don't get answers. Even though you're sort of annoyed. Like, you want answers, but you know if they try to explain it, it would be dumb. Mm -hmm. This is, like, where they're like, we're not going to explain entirely how 
certain things work. It's but that's kind of a Stephen King and Joe Hill type of thing. Uh, things well, just sometimes, exist as they sometimes are. Stephen explains too many things and it's weird. <laughs> yeah, but you know what I liked about this one because we've been complaining about this with other movies is that it didn't have too many side stories that it had to go resolve. It's yeah. a simple story, and that's what we follow throughout the entire movie. And it is very Stephen King, like, super extra. I know it's it's his son that wrote it, but, like, this is him sitting on his Stephen King whatever, like, <laughs> inherited throne. Okay, but this movie is way better than most movies based on Stephen King books. Yeah. And that just happens to be, that's really not Stephen King's fault. He His books came to fruition in the... 80s and 90s yeah fourth one is one we watched on dvd so something i wanted to do at the end of the year was clean out all our dvds because we had so many that we couldn't see what we had they were stacked in front of each other so i said okay we're gonna pull out all the dvds and go through them and we had a stack of ones that we weren't quite ready to get rid of and one of them was boslerman's australia yeah so, and we decided to keep it because so this one is uh, uh, like i said there was some stuff on here that's not technically from the year we were talking about but i talk shit about boslerman <laughs> watch our elvis for, video for if you want to know for our elvis review because i hated i didn't hate it but i i was very disappointed by his elvis film and i was talking shit about how he's he's on crack like i've seen uh, moulin rouge also which was more fun but still on crack and it's just like it was infuriating and I never realized, because I was, like, 14 when I watched Australia for the first time, and I've always loved it, but I never realized it was Baz Luhrmann. I didn't pay attention to directors. But it's a fucking awesome movie. It it's, is an awesome movie. It feels like a classic. It's just a clean, classic film. Like, there might be some fucked up shit, but... It feels like almost wholesome, no matter what. There's a hero and a villain and a quest. And it's kind of two movies. Kind of. <laughs> which you could, you could make a big complaint about if you wanted to. Like, I I definitely, every time I watch it, like, I still remember, like, the first time I watched it that I was like, oh, okay. Oh, we're, oh, okay. We're still going. Oh, oh it's a new thing. Oh, okay. All right. Cool. We're doing a new thing fine um but yeah that one's awesome also just as a side note romeo and juliet by Boslerman. but that's more because i hate romeo and juliet and the style makes up for it so much because it's so weird i cried twice when we watched australia and one was for a character that i didn't even really care about yeah yeah they have some good well i won't say what just in case no, no, no. nobody's seen it. Go watch Australia. Just go, go see it. Okay, number five is a very controversial one that has gotten some hate on social media. And that is The Menu with Ray Fiennes and Anya Taylor-Joy. How can you hate this? It's so weird and creepy and, and horrifying. I love it. It is, I've said this multiple times now, it's a funhouse mirror of, in some ways, of Glass Onion. Hmm, explain. It's... Glass Onion is more obvious. Well, it's, they're both not, like, super subtle. But, like, the... Uh, I don't want to say the attack. The deconstruction of the rich archetype. Uh, in, in Glass Onion, it's, like, influence and celebrity and, and tech shit. 
in the menu, it's food and the overcomplication of food in general, but also like the way people that are undeserving of it boost themselves up to this like ridiculous well, level of in, of enjoyment and, to and the I, point that they're like detached from what even is normal. Also the exclusivity of the dining experience. So I'll, I'll just give one away. Uh, they go through multiple courses and with this one, with they say it's the bread course, but there is no bread. They just have a palette of sauces that you can eat with bread. And there's this lofty explanation as to why there is no bread. So the pretentiousness, yeah. and really it's a troll the whole time. I don't want to give it away again because I want people to watch this movie. Uh -huh. It's a it's a hard troll. It's so it's good. It's awesome. It's so good. It's so good. Like, every single one of these movies, except for Australia because I've seen it multiple times, I, I'm, like, ready to go back and watch mm -hmm. again, and this is right up there. Like, I could just immediately start it over and go through it one more time. Oh, yeah, I love this movie. And, again, it's kind of a mystery. That's yeah. the theme that we have, other than Australia. We have these mysteries that we have to solve. So our, our last movie is not a mystery. We'll get to it in a moment. We've got two dishonorable mentions. And one of them is Blonde with Ana de Armas. So, okay, so we just talked about how the previous couple of movies, well, not, you know, Glass Onion and, and uh, The Menu are, like, teardowns of people that are, I don't know, gatekeepy and Gatekeep too full right of themselves, mm -hmm. and they're, they're artistes. And Blonde is the movie version of what you want to tear down. Mm. It's like... The system that upholds the gatekeeping like, and... If there was a movie that would tear apart the artiste filmmaking, that's what I would want to watch in response to Blonde. Because the whole thing, the actual direction, is... Look how fucking weird I can make this and how trippy I can make this. Look how I can make it an art house film. So Blonde is based on a novel by Joyce Carol Oates that was a fictionalized reimagining of what... That tag on your shirt is really loud. Sorry. <laughs> a fictionalized reimagining of Marilyn Monroe's inner thoughts and what she went through as her outward appearance as an icon and her inward real person a real troubled person and i really liked the book i read it a thousand years ago and it works well as a book the movie just felt exploitative which some will pop up and say well it's supposed to be it shows how marilyn rose exploited but it feels like it's just exploitation of top on top of exploitation i feel like anna de armas was exploited. she was super exploited in this yeah like there's so many things that they didn't need to show they didn't need to have her naked for so much of the movie or even at all, if I'm not going back to remembering that shit, but there there would have been better ways to go about it, and they could have done the same insinuations with moments in the film that were like really gratuitous without mm -hmm. showing it the way they did. And it was rated NC-17 for a reason. For no reason. The director didn't seem to give a fuck about the movie at all that he was making, and. This is, okay, it's bad enough that it's already a novelization of, you know, a person's life and maybe how they felt. But on top of that, it was only loosely based on that. 
So then it's basically a fantasy. But this is a fantasy the entire film. It is. Like, the... in it's... There's not many times, like, white cis men, American dudes can get, like, eh, victims. Um, but I feel, like, really insulted that uh, the film is, like, every man that ever spoke to that woman was a racist or a, a woman beater. Like, literally every single man that she ever had anything to do with either manipulated her or raped her or beat the hell out of her except for like Arthur Miller yeah except for her second husband third husband third she was married briefly when she was really young oh they didn't even I don't know if they show that or we we had to stop and start this movie so many times they never they don't give like it's not set up the way a film should be set up like you know beginning, middle, end, or all the... I don't remember the fucking terms. <laughs> um, but there are no resolutions to a lot of the moments. We just skip straight past. Okay, I have, she gets divorced from one person, she... Yeah. I have two things. One, they completely fictionalized the moment that led up to her death, kind of a triggering moment that, had, that did not happen at all in her real life. Also, two, here's an analogy... You know the pretentious avant-garde menu that the chefs presented in the menu to their yeah. audience? That's what this movie is. Yeah, but it's not go. doing it ironically. Yeah. It's... I don't understand. And it's so insulting to Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. Like, we've... Okay, for one, I think we've had enough. Like, if anybody wants to look into her and enjoy her her actual works that's cool but like as like the icon of Marilyn Monroe she's been gone for so long just leave it lie let her rest um don't be like Kim Kardashian and tear apart her legacy literally with her ass (laughs) fuck you Kim Kardashian yeah fuck you um just leave her alone and don't make something that's three hours long insufferable and tears apart who she was she like in the beginning sometimes they did little things to make it seem like oh yeah she's a well-read girl people don't take her seriously she's smart but then across the entire movie she gets played by everybody she stops showing any intelligence at all and then like big moments that actually happened in her life they cut out like her creating her own production studio because she was tired of being undercut by like men actors mm-hmm. in the payment it's, uh, that's a really interesting thing that they could have added he was a lot angrier about this movie than i was so yeah all those things although i think it works as a book not yeah. not so much as a movie it was just overly exploitative okay other dishonorable mention is a movie oh, wait. from oh, last thing okay okay Anna de Armas, please don't make any more movies like this. You don't have to. You, you've you made it. Make good movies. Make good movies? <laughs> I, Knives Out too. I enjoy her in, in movies so much. She's so enjoyable. She's adorable. And she's so cute. Just don't... I feel like they dangled... The, you know, it's like it's Marilyn Monroe. It's a huge part. They dangled it in front of her. And then they forced her to do all the shit they didn't need to do. Mm-hmm. So... Second level of abuse. Anyway, okay, now we can move on. Yes. Kind of like, I won't go into details, but uh, Last Tango in Paris, 
There are stories about how the director was exploitative of the woman who was Marlon Brando's lover in the film. And there's a particular scene where she kind of didn't know something was going to happen and it happened and they did it for the good of the movie, but it was really traumatizing to her. So uh, Hitchcock abused and exploited the women in his films too. Anyway, the other dishonorable mention is actually a movie from 2021, but we watched it last year and it's called A Banquet. And it's a British horror film. This was when I was just like, I want to watch all the horror movies. Let's watch horror movies. It didn't deliver on what it promised. And it was mm. boring as hell. And and when you read about it, people say, oh, it's about an eating disorder. It's about anorexia. I've had anorexia. I've had an eating disorder. You could make it a lot more creative than what they did. It was just boring. And they, it didn't pay off. The, the problem, the most annoying part was that they did just enough that you stuck around you, for the whole movie. You kept thinking it would turn around. Like, the photography of the film is interesting i don't know it's it's a very pretty it's a beautiful movie the way it's shot the deep rich colors and yeah and they do they do the thing to make you know good food feel dirty things like that they're supposed to walk the line between mental illness and supernatural shit but which is hard to do a lot of times movies will sort of walk the line and then they'll just they'll totally commit to one um, like Hereditary, which I won't say which one <laughs> they commit to. Oh yeah, they commit I, hard at the end. I do wish they would have been a little more in the middle because it was that was just an interesting way to do it. But okay, it's still an awesome movie. Um, this one, it like stayed on the fence, but it did it real slow. <laughs> and then by the time you get to the end. You realize there was nothing. I don't give a fuck if anybody watches this, so I'll just explain it. Her supernatural moment where she, the the main girl, thinks that she's, or at least she says she thinks this, that she's been, like, given powers by, like, nature or the moon, a red moon. Um, She gives that to her mom, convinces her that, no, no, it's cool. I don't have to eat anymore. I'm special. Something's coming. Like, she she flat out just fakes her weight on the scale so her mother will eventually leave her alone and she like goes into long months of not getting up or shit like that and then by the end of it it's like oh she was just hibernating because she was starving herself and then at the last minute she told her mom there's this is the moment something's about to happen i i have to stay here don't take me to the hospital no matter what i say and then she dies from starvation the entire thing was just the eating disorder, which annoyed the fuck out of me. It would be fine if you could argue with yourself that it what that that's what it was, but they didn't put out any more like clues as to what her supernatural yeah. possibilities might be. So so it was mm, infuriating. I have two thoughts on that. The movie, and I've mentioned this before on our show. The one that does ambiguity the best of is it mental illness or is it supernatural is the exorcism of Emily Rose. And you still don't know at the end what it is, but that's a satisfying ending. And then two, I don't think if we're going to go and say that, yeah, this was based on an eating disorder, then explore the nuances of that a little bit more. If you want to watch a mental illness explored in uncomfortable depth, Mm. watch Eight. It's an Australian film. So good. And it's all shot in one take. 
It's just one woman and her OCD, and it is incredible. It's that one's weird. It's because at some point you start to think, okay, like when's the next something, whatever. Like, okay, we got the beginning, and then but you start to think that, and then the movie's over. Like it's an hour and a half long, or eight. It's a. Are you talking about eight? Yeah, yeah. It's a full length movie. And I mean this in a good way. Like at first you're starting to think, okay, where's the next thing? And somehow it keeps your attention the whole way through. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's actually another one I, I thought of as a response to Blonde because that was sort of artsy and uncomfortable in a different way, but it could keep your attention the whole fucking movie. Mm-hmm. Didn't make you want to stop it three different times. So are you ready to get back to the fun? Yes! So... Dishonorable <laughs> mentions are gone. Thank you for not punching me in the face when you did that. I went up. You're Number six. Our favorite movie of 2022 is RRR. The, oh my god! The, this movie's so cool! The best movie of 2022. It deserves to win an Oscar for best film of the year. It's Just, only nominated for best song. That's some bullshit. At least, at least like, best... best Best action, something. So, like, dare we even try to explain what this movie is about? First of all, let's just say a little bit. It's an Indian film. It's Tollywood. It's from as opposed to As opposed to Bollywood. So, I think it's in a different language than Hindi. Um, but it's... And I've seen several Bollywood movies. So, it does have that over-the-top style. But, my God. You can see all the previews you want. You will not know what this movie is yeah, about. Yeah, we, we didn't at all. Okay, like, this was three hours long. It does keep your attention for three hours, and you want more. There's dancing. There's singing. There's tigers. There's the evil British Empire. It's a Star Wars movie. It is a Star Wars movie. There's a bromance to end all bromances. What What else did we decide that it was in the middle it was Star Wars, but it was also something else. I can't remember. I know we thought it was... Well, there's a moment where the evil British guy says to one of the Indian guys, so now you see the inner workings of the Empire. And I'm like, oh, he's a Sith Lord. But it's... <laughs> and they do they do a ton of CGI, but it like it's so ridiculous. I mean, a dude throws like, a leopard at another dude. Like it's, it works. It's, it's so crazy. It's not totally realistic, but it's really good. And it's not totally realistic. It's bananas, bonkers, wild. It, but when they actually get down to like the fighting and stuff, the choreography and the stunts are amazing. It's so fucking good. Yeah, and their stuntman like, is named King Solomon. It, there's a ton of energy. Yeah, the fuck King fucking Solomon. That's off. You know he he gets the ladies with a name like that, King oh. Solomon. So anyway, what were you saying he, about the? There's so much energy to all the action, and it's it's it. I know it's like a lot of wire work. It's very kind of like wushu Chinese in a way, but also a little more modern and Western too. And it's a bunch of wide shots, so you get to see everything. It's not like super close up where they go. Mm-hmm. And they move around all the fucking place. You see flying you, sidekicks and flying tigers and and flying and, flaming okay. motorcycles. And the best part. Oh god, I love this movie. Is the bromance is like the the best bromance that's ever bromanced. Yes, and okay, you can play fun songs over the sequences. There's a moment where the two guys connect and they save a little boy and then which they is do a this... ridiculous <laughs> it's... but awesome scene it's so awesome and they go on this montage of like going fishing and punching a 
punching bag and just having all kinds of fun together as dudes. So we always like to watch a movie and then we'll go back and we'll play funny music over a scene. It's usually a montage or like an action sequence. It's not just randomness. So so over this part where they their bromance blossoms, I played You're My Best Friend by Queen. And it's it was perfect. It's but the perfect one. You explain the perfect one. Oh. I thought of this, I almost forgot, and then I did it, and I was questioning it all the way up until we played it. During Nacho Nacho, which is apparently a song about dancing, like, really aggressively, like a fucking bull or something. It's the Um, most manly of dance songs. Yes. They have a dance-off with the evil British people. (laughs) A dance-off! And this is, like, 1920. And also, like, the songs are already really good. Like, the songs in Bollywood movies are pretty fucking cool. Uh, This is Hollywood, though. Uh, sorry, Tolly. What? It's. I'm sorry, but it's pretty similar. It's Randy. Um, uh, Tollywood. <laughs> they have very good music. Anyway, so the one I picked, Nacho Nacho, there, there's like this whole scene where during the bromance, um, Raju is trying to get Beam to basically look good in front of everybody because he's got a thing for Jen A. The <laughs> Yeah, being the white girl. Yeah, he he likes Jen A. <laughs> and um, so, I played. <laughs> it's not Gabe. It's a three way. By the lonely three-way island. By lonely island, and it was perfect. <laughs> it was perfect. <laughs> like all the way to helicopter dick. Uh, all the way. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Anyway, it's so funny. So yeah, okay. The <sighs> I have to explain this. As a, as a dude, I'm sure women can appreciate this too, but as a dude, think of like when you were with your best friend in a time where being together and doing something just made it, made you feel like you could pretty much do anything. Like, I don't know what, it, either you're like going out to meet people or like you're on, you're playing a sport and you're on the same team and you're like, you're the guys, but Whatever it is, where you're like totally in your groove and the dude next to you is going to help you finish anything you need to be done, that's like these two. Like, immediately. They're like, I'm the baddest motherfucker ever. I'm the baddest motherfucker ever. Let's fucking hang out. (laughs) Yeah, it's like the power of friendship times a million. And there's drama and there's sadness and there's violence and they're so... Oh, the comeuppance at the end. Mm. Mm, the way they get those British people. Mm-mm-mm. There's... Sun wasn't going to set on that part of the British Empire. There's, mm-hmm. dare I say, a, a Death Star moment. <laughs> there is a Death Star moment. Oh, my God. So, there's a, there's an evil Sith Lord, and there's a Death Star destruction moment. So... Oh, this movie's so cool. It's on Netflix. Fucking watch it. Watch it. Uh, yeah, so fuck Blonde. Go to Blonde and downvote it just because. Don't watch it, but downvote it. And then go to RRR and watch it right now and give it that double thumbs up. Mm-hmm. So recommendations are all these movies we talked about other than our dishonorable mentions and RRR. That will be my recommendation forever. Oh. That is the one of the best movies I've ever seen it, of all time. Yeah, it's on my best ever list. Like, yes. Immediately. So if you want to join our bromance, join our cult and be my victim, you can follow us on YouTube, Discord, Twitch, Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, and Instagram at Movie Pain or Pleasure Podcast. Throw a tiger at a white dude.